evening, everybody, and welcome to Bang Bang Podcast. Uh, my name's Andy, and I'm joined by my colleague Steve. Hello. Hello. I'm Steve, and his co-host. <laughs> and yes, may I second that? Hmm. Welcome to Bang Bang Podcast. Yeah. Now we're um... seeing how long we can go without <laughs> fucking everything up and swearing, and we've yeah. done both in the last five we've seconds, well. so we fucked it up. But so it, was, I... it was a good. It was a good start. Yeah, it was a good try. A bit yeah. too normal for me, actually. You hit the right tone last week. Mm. Getting there mm. this week, too normal. Okay. All right. So where we were supposed to be somewhere else tonight? Yeah, we? we were. We were supposed to be down at Sydney and Eden um, new bar run by my good friends Louis and Beth down at Bottles and Books. Their new bar went to their opening night, which also happened to be my birthday. Um, had a really nice evening, um, partaking of many fine beers, many fine rums, the odd white Russian or two in homage to the dude. Um, Jane and I had a really nice night. It was good. Um, and I spoke to Louis about some that we talked about at Bottles and Books. Um, Andy and I doing the podcast from the bar because they've got a space downstairs, um, which on a weeknight wouldn't be too busy. And we could pretty much have the runner downstairs, order our beers and do podcasts from down there. We were going to go down there today. Um, to do the podcast for the first time, mm-hmm. and then Boris chucks his fucking oar in, and they have to do table service only, and unfortunately they shut downstairs part of it, so it was only upstairs. We took the decision earlier on this afternoon not to bother, um, because we couldn't guarantee that we would just have a an empty bar full of just us and our random dribblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the end, we came to the conclusion that my partner Jane had the front room because it's also the first episode of the new series of Bake Off. And quite frankly, we just said before before the thing started, we both probably quite like to be in there watching yeah, Bake Off. Yeah, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I sad, but very true. My, um, my wife also watches Bake Off, and I do kind of end up watching it or getting drawn into it. Um... So yeah, so we might sack this off halfway through. If we do sound a bit distracted, it's because we've got the, we might be watching the bake off at the same time. But you know, so we were going down to bottles and books. We probably won't be going down uh, bottles and books, Sydney and Eden. We probably won't be going down to Sydney and Eden um, until the restrictions are lifted. Um, so we need to. We are exploring other ways of doing the podcast remotely because from next week it's going to get a little bit more difficult even to be in the same yeah. space. Um, we could just sit on a park bench and do it. And, and it might be that we could actually get down to Sydney and Eden at some point. Um, it, it, it might be quiet down there on a weekday after mm. all these restrictions. It'd give us a bit more time to actually um, be disciplined and get finished by half nine. Yeah, maybe. So, I mean, my main concern is that we could, we could be in a bar full of fairly sane and normal people having normal conversations, shouting abuse at each other and <clears throat> talking about Terry Taylor being a wanker and that sort of thing. Except that he's not. He's obviously the glue that holds wrestling yeah. together. Sorry, Tell. But, um, but yeah, and then we don't... I, I, as you know, our... 
our commitment to uh, top quality production levels on this show is, is second to none, so we didn't want the sound being uh, affected. We, or... didn't, we didn't want to sound even more amateur than we yeah. do normally. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you normally get people wandering off for a piss halfway through a, a story, is it? But uh, So yeah, so we're, we're back in your house again. Yeah, in my house eight. Um, this one's entitled The Last Stand. <laughs> <laughs> So right, so we're um, what were we talking about this week? We're talking about Bobby the Brain Healing. I wanted to because um, when I was young, probably the the reason that I like wrestling so much, yeah, because he hit the right note of outrage and stupidity, mm. and his relationship with Gorilla Monsoon, yeah, um, always gives me a warm glow. <laughs> Let's, we'll quickly mention what we did last week. We did um, NXT TakeOver New York yeah. last week, didn't we? Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> I, again, I listened back to that the other day and it took us almost an hour to get to the start of the first match. So we might... Well, I think we were quite insightful when we did start talking oh, about I think, it. yeah, yeah. And again, we got a lot of good feedback from that. And, uh, you know, I don't want to chat about the demos and the numbers, but the numbers were good after that. So that's good. It was interesting to see what people would think about us talking about something more current, which yeah, comes yeah, into which was, um, it was yeah. We could have talked about some of that went back to two thousand and fourteen, which yeah. was less current, but yeah, and and ran, Randy, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's off the show. The right? man, Andy Savage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Asked for a number between 1 and 33, 34, without context. So we yeah. got one of the numbers and it could mean anything. So And it was a good show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. To, to be honest, anything up until the late 20s would have been a good show. Yeah, yeah. It all went a bit tits up when Vince started paying a little bit too much. Um, yeah. So what we... Interest you to yeah. you know, the other wrestlers. Yeah. The small ones. Yeah. Tiny so, boys. So we had, we had a little bit of a chat and we decided that we are going... I mean, I'm not sure... If a bit of an overhaul. Not, not so much an overhaul, is yeah, it? it is. It'd be the, the same bollocks talk. Yeah. Just a little bit yeah. more going on. Hopefully people will like it. Yeah. Obviously, we'll furiously U-turn like a, a shit government um, decision mm. if people don't like it and go back to normal. But we are intending on doing a rolling four-week yeah, so what we'll do is we'll do maybe once a month we'll do because we've been asking for emails and that kind of thing and encouraging you to get in touch with us with your kind of stories and that sort of stories, thing. Stories, questions, emails. So we thought if we did a show a month which was dedicated to that and we talk about the current stuff as well a little bit because I'm not gonna I'm I don't want to currently. I haven't got BT Sport anymore, so I'm not actually watching any, I've, I've any got, wrestling at I've all. got BT Sport as part of my um, mobile phone package. Yeah. So um, I spend any free time I've got when I'm not... Um, Masturbate. No. <laughs> I'm sat in my kitchen in my house. Yeah. I'm hardly masturbating. <laughs> yeah. When I'm not, when I'm not busy, because running the house and... Keeping everybody happy yep. takes time where mm-hmm. I don't watch TV. Yeah. So that's probably the main reason I don't watch wrestling, apart from the fact that it's shit. Yeah. I'm a busy man. Mm. Um, I know this will probably... 
Brace yourselves. Yeah, I know yeah. it's a probably yeah. it won't compute with a lot of people, but I have got actually I've got a really responsible job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Strangely yeah. enough. Yeah. So yeah, it all takes a bit of time, but I watch UFC and a bit of WWE. I watch more UFC than I do yeah. wrestling, to be honest. But so we'll do our one month show where we once a month show where we'll we'll get you guys to we'll give you guys a bit of notice so you can email in the weird and we'll give you a few topics to email in about that kind of thing and we'll do all that kind of stuff on one designated show and you guys can be involved with what we talk about on that show as well so we'll kind of get you guys involved totally indirected bit not and off the other three shows a month will just be the usual normal stuff normal bullshit but we'll cut down on because again that last episode we did obviously I think we'll still do the top tens when we do a pay-per-view show basically the elongated nature of the programmes yeah. with the podcast that we're doing at the moment Andy is trying to blame me single-handedly <laughs> for wobbling on too long there was when he yeah. comes up with shit like the fucking top ten yeah. goes on about the emails and the questions and yeah, stuff like yeah. that so this prick in the fucking same room as me is equally to blame yeah for me dribbling on, he contributes to bollocks. Yeah. We've, was, got, we've got several regulars that we have to take the piss out of. Yeah. There was 10 minutes on how Bristol smells. <laughs> That's the multi-goodness <laughs> yeah. of my childhood memories. Yeah. That was... And again, I did frequently have to remind people we were actually talking about NXT TakeOver when you were going about the... Uh, the Bristol Docksides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... See, that's what we're going to do for, going for is, but the other episodes will still be the same, but probably slightly less random bollocks. Not much less. But we're no, going to no, try, no. We're going to try and stick to... be a fair to, amount of random bollocks, because yeah. you take away the very heart of me. Yeah. Ooh, baby, now don't change the fucking format. We're going to um, try and... Do, 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 do. We're going to try and stick to, um, who's that, is that Chicago? Yeah. Foreigner. Chicago. Chicago. Chicago! We're going to try and stick to around about 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Or under. <laughs> so there, so right, so today, I mean, that's probably 20 minutes now, isn't it? Probably. Yeah. So today, I've got my notes, you'll be pleased to know, which my daughter has done... Are we doing any questions or anything? Are we actually starting saving that? We'll go questions at the end. We'll do questions. We're doing questions at the end, everybody. Yeah. Doing questions. Right. Ready? Oh, look at that. She's torn up. One of my kids has torn up the paper off. Oh, well. Um, we're doing Obby Heenan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, right. Raymond Lewis Heenan. Ray Heenan, yeah. Born, Born November the 1st. 1944, died day before my birthday, three years ago, Did so it? September the 17th. Do you know Box that in your diaries, mate. I yeah. want lots of presents for next year. If we're, if we're still alive. Oh, good year. news as well. I've lost another follower. I'm down to the big 3-0. Right. Keep it going, kids. Right, 1st of November. Who else was born on the 1st of November? I have a feeling you might be telling us, Andrew. Slim Pickens this week. Is I'm he not, not, the, not the actor and com um, comedian singer of no. Slim Pickens then? Rick Allen. The drummer from Def Leppard. The drummer from Def Leppard's only got one arm yeah. as immortalised by the Bloodhound Gang. Mm -hmm. uh, Why is everybody always picking on me because your mama got a face that Bill Cosby? That's not, that's not a good thing these days, is it? Well, probably not a good thing back then. Um, Monty Sop. 
Kip. Yeah, Kip. Monty's Monty, Monty, Kip, Sock. Yeah. Uh, Billy Gunn, obviously. Um, and then Anthony Kiedis. Talking with that the, one. Did you? Yeah, yeah. We played some shows with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. I name drop. I've lived a life. You are, yeah. Maybe we might actually one day, if I ever get, we ever get around to it, is just do a podcast about music and stuff like that and some of your experience. Because Steve... Doesn't, he, he does talk about it a fair bit, but not that much. But Steve's toured around the world and played with some legendary musicians, and he's had quite a exciting life. He's had a long life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a bit now. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll just sit down and have a chat about that. Um, I'm potentially interesting people. Well done. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Um, it's a, do you like Red Hot Chili Peppers? Um, some. When I was uh, 12, 13, yeah. that was what, 92, 93? Oh, like fucking years before that, Torben. Oh, yeah, yeah, but that was a lot of the girls in that sort of era, like Red Hot Red Chili Peppers. They would have dislocated their hips for those motherfuckers. Yeah, they were kind of... Spunky. What we, used to, we, used to, we used to They call, were spunky. We used to call them uh, the girls jitters. We used to call... Um, we used to call heavy Cheers. metal fans in general jitters. Jitters, yeah. Um, I don't see jitters anymore, do you? But I, one of the, the, the best things, um, their first album, Freaky Styly, mm. was produced by Funkadelic Parliament's um, George Clinton. Mm-hmm. And in an interview, um, somebody asked George Clinton what uh, to describe the Red Hot Chili Peppers debut LP and yeah. he replied by saying it feels like a vibrator coming out of your nose <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I mean they, they they sort of went kind of mainstream didn't they in the oh, that's fucking nice. cool. well what are you, are you I'm drinking Heineken tonight Cheers. pissed um, he's drinking piss tonight yeah I went back to my roots <clears throat> um I actually have a Guinness for a change. Yeah. I'm currently drinking... Are you pregnant? So- Sorry, Louis and Beth. Yeah. I'm not drinking anything from Bottles and Books this week. I haven't been in there for a bit, but I'm going to have to go and get some takeaways. Um, I'm drinking a Roaster Coaster, Brewdog versus Evil Twin, Nitro Imperial Vietnamese Coffee Stout. Very nice, weighs in at 9%. And then they've got some Chocolate Marshmallow Stout, again, Brewdog. Um, layer cake, mm. only seven percent, but a nice, nice milk stout from there. Yeah. I got a few of those for my birthday, so I should be carrying on drinking that sort of stuff. Nothing too fancy this week. No, nothing too fancy. No. Uh, right. So he was born in Chicago. Chicago in nineteen forty-four. Um, no male role model. No. And he, he father didn't... wasn't around, um, no. brought up by his mum and grandmother, mm. lived in um, a hotel suite that was previously rented out to Liberace. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so they, it was quite a posh. Yeah. It was quite a good... They lived a decent life, but he was very... Because of the way he was brought up, he got brought up with a strong sense of morals and he was very, very family-oriented, mm. which... Yeah. Um, might sound odd coming from me because I love my family here. Yeah. I'm not big growing up family. Yeah. I'm not so, yeah. not so keen on. No. Well, so he moved to, um, yeah, so he lived with his, he, he moved to Indianapolis to go in 
I think his aunt died and his mum and his grandma, they all moved to Indianapolis and he lived with them. And he um, he dropped out of school at an early age to look after his mum and his grandma. And yeah. he was like the main breadwinner from like a sort of, sort of teenage age. Um, <laughs> he got a job at a local arena, which he was like a, sort of like a stagehand at one of the local arenas where he would have like circuses and live events and that, and that was where he got to meet uh, Dick the Bruiser. Wally Carbo. Wally Carbo. Um, Dick Affliss, Dick the Bruiser. Dick Affliss. Yeah. Dick the Bruiser. Yeah, not a pleasant man. No? No. A good name though. Yeah, Dick the Bruiser, he's just, just a, a stereotypical... <laughs> yeah. Sort of... Film thug name, isn't yeah. It? Um, so yeah, so he was sort of hanging around. He was a big fan of wrestling. Was hanging around the shows, the events, and after a while, they kind of said like, you know, they noticed him if he got in with some of the wrestlers, and they sort of, you know, asked me who wanted to get involved. He was like selling tickets, selling programs, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, and then back in those days, like that sort of thing, if you hung around long enough, you probably end up getting. It was a notoriously difficult profession to get into for many years. Now every cunt can do it. Can't yeah. You don't even have to be four foot ten and weigh sixty five pounds and be super heavyweight champion of fucking AEW. Yeah. But he um, so he started off as a wrestler originally. Yep. For a short period, and then um, ended up being a being a manager. But that's the thing he didn't have, actually have any formal training as a wrestler. No, he just sort of watched, took it all in, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and looked, um, and he he adopted a big bumping style. Yeah. Um, that naturally, his build, he was he was quite stoutly, well, mm. well, sort of built, but not in a muscular sort of way. But yeah. Um, and he had that sort of whitish blonde, shock of blonde hair. Yeah. Kind of made him stand out quite a bit. He just had some lovely sideburns as well back in there. He did, and a moustache. Back in the old days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, he started off, he first, he managed, I mean, he came in and managed some big teams in, um, to start off with in, in the Indianapolis area. So he managed the Black Jacks and the Valiant Brothers. Yeah, um, his first team he managed with the Black Jacks. Yeah. And then he moved to AWA in 1969. I've not really seen a lot of, unless I had to be fair, I was in any AWA, really. AWA was, um, the fact that a lot of stars from AWA defected to, from that area of the Northwest over to the WWF, um, probably says a lot about, um, Vern Gagne's ability to see star potential. A lot of the people that made it in um, AWA weren't particularly brilliant wrestlers. Yeah. Um, well, and people are going to say, but Ric Flair, but Nick, but there was a lot of good, solid mat wrestling, but you had people 
Yeah. They're like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Jesse the Body Ventura. Um, and people like that who were big on charisma and big on the look, but not big on talent. Obviously, no. it was it was outweighed by a lot of the technical. Yeah. Technically sound. Your old mate Woohoo mm -hmm. was a big part of um, yeah. that side of things for for quite a while. But back in the territories days, you you'd have everybody go through. Yeah. Um, well, look, the stuff I've seen at AWA from like the mid to late seventies, like the TV production looks it's well produced. Obviously, there's a bit well of money produced. behind it. Um, because it was notoriously difficult to get into, and people would steal you all the time. It was run by Vern Gagne, who, because he wasn't getting shots at Lufez at the time, would make a lot of noise about it and then decided he wasn't going to get anywhere because he was he was quite a divisive character, Vern Gagne. Didn't get on well with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, made enemies quickly. Big egomaniac. Um really wanted to push himself because he felt he should be the world champion, um, went and disaffiliated his AWA from the NWA and set himself up as the AWA world champion. Mm. For most of the 50s, 60s and 70s, which yeah. is not sustainable. Um, and then he puts his son, then he's a very paranoid yeah. man. Mm. Um, his son, Greg Gagne, um, got a massive push. Um, he was a fairly talented light heavyweight, but was better off suited in a tag team um, and with a secondary title. He was never really seriously considered for any world title, although his dad said, yeah, let's yeah. try and give him. He was overruled by sensible people. Yeah. Um, when you think that people would have... And this is pretty much the blueprint for the WWF. You'd have long-running champions, they, uh, they, as they did in Bruno Sammartino and Bob Backlund. So it wasn't anything new to have a, a, a multi-year champion. Yeah. Um, he took this a little bit. I think he had... He, I think he was a 12-time world heavyweight champion, so he had things like Dick the Bruiser win it, um, he had Mad Dog Vachon win it a couple of times. So bad guys win it. Yeah. Near the end of his run, he would have um, he would have battles with Nick Botwinkle. More on him later. But it started looking ridiculous when a balding, pot-bellied, fifty-five-year-old man was still considered the world heavyweight champion. It yeah. just got unbelievable, and he he he. <laughs> Possibly should have eased himself out more, but he he give he give his son a push, and later on, just in the dying days of AWA in nineteen eighty nine and nineteen ninety, um, the world championship went to his son in law, um, Larry Zabisco. Yeah, because he's family, he's not gonna keep it away, and it really was a family business. Um, the the worst thing they ever did. Was was give Eric Bischoff a job? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they um, 
Yeah, so when he came into AWA, he was uh, he managed like they said that he managed the premier tag team yeah. of the day, Nick Bockwinkle and Ray Crippler Stevens. Um, yeah. Formidable tag team. Ray Ray Stevens was a consummate um, tag team wrestler. In Nick Botwinkle, you had a very stylized, superior type of promo. Um, Nick Botwinkle would would devour his reading material yeah. and take on board. His thing was incorporating new words into his thing, the new very large words. He was a very wordy. Yeah. But he was intelligent enough to actually use them in the right context as well. And adding Bobby Heenan. Yeah. He wasn't Bobby the Brain then, he was Bobby the Brilliant One Heenan. Yeah, yeah. Um, into the mix. Bobby was slightly more off the wall, a natural comedian. And he could take a bumps brilliant as well. promo. Yeah. Um, I think they, they, they put it like he, when he had to wrestle, he wrestled like a manager. Yeah. And he managed like a wrestler. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is the perfect combination. He was an instant heat magnet. He would, people hated him. Yeah. yeah. Straight away. He was brilliant at just whipping people up. Um, and the combination of him, Bockwinkle and Stevens, was was perfect for the AWA. Yeah. I think they held the tag team championships at that time for over three years. Mm. So, but Bockwinkle, he never did. Did he do much in NWA or to Jim Crockett or w, the old WWF or the? Very limited, but mm. when when you you. Because Nick Bockwinkle was still around in the 80s, he was having feuds with Jerry Lawler and Kurt Hennig and Larry Zbysko and Vern Gagne in that sort of time, it's easy to think of him in that sort of era of wrestling because he was around. When actually, age-wise, he was from the previous era, 60s and 70s more than... The eighties. He still he looked. Was, he was in. He kept himself in brilliant yeah. shape. Um, he was a refined gentleman. He would have. He could have easily fitted into the Four Horsemen. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely. If yeah. he was there, but it would have been stylistically a little bit of a clash because he was the. He was actually age-wise of the generation before. Yeah the four horsemen so yeah. he had more in common with um jj dylan than he would have done with yeah. rick flair because he had a run i think he did a run where he was as like an on-screen on-screen character he in was in the 80s, the late 80s well. he was he was like, like commissioner, commissioner. Yeah. yeah um but that i think testament to the gravitas that he brought to the role yeah. because he came across like a highly intelligent yeah. really smooth promo yeah um like very Jack, superior. Like very Jack Tunney, yeah. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so they came in, um, yeah, so he managed uh Bockwinkle and Stevens. They feuded with the Crusher and Dick the Bruiser. And I think Dick the Bruiser gave him the nickname uh Weasel. I think he did, yes. Yeah. Um and again he would out he would get involved and he would actually like you said, he would be, he would wrestle and it would be a big, 
it was so good at drawing heat. It would be a bit, they'd, they'd get like sell out crowds just it, on the it, back yeah, of him. It, they'd use him sparingly, and that's yeah. why they got it right. They, he built up the hate and things like that, and then you'd have the payoff. Mm. Um, one, the payoff to the feud would be him, yeah. which also shielded Botwinkle and Stevens yeah. from actually having to be part of the main event and probably drop the titles. Yeah. They worked it, so they kept the titles, and yeah. there'd be a singles feud. Um Involving Bobby Heenan once or twice a year. Yeah. Um, he had a feud with Greg Gagne, um, with him and Jim Brunzel um, with the High Flyers uh, over the Tag Team Champions. Uh, and because it was Vern's son, he wanted to push him as a singles wrestler. So part of the build was for him to have a, have a little programme with the payoff being the very first weasel suit match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Which Greg Gagne, yeah. He is going forwards as well, isn't he? Um, so, yeah, so he was, again, we're going back in this age where this, I mean, where the managers would always be, well, not always, but the best managers, similar with, with Cornette as well, would draw, like, extreme reactions from the crowd. So there was an occasion as where... Much he, people hate him, and he is a dick these days. Yeah. Um... Cornette was a brilliant manager. Yeah. A fucking heat magnet. But yeah. also, weirdly enough, um, people were willing to get behind him yeah. in certain circumstances when there's a the couple of the Midnight Express face turns. Yeah. Um, and they used him well in that. I really do want to piss people off and do a Jim Cornette episode. Straight oh, we could do. We could do. Um, because if you stick to the wrestling... Yeah. You'll get the best out of Jim Cornette. Yeah. So everything else he's a fucking ass cake about. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, he actually got shot at by somebody in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. The, the, thing, the, yeah. The, 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 the reports where he said that he saw the orange flash yeah. and then sort of felt the whoosh. Yeah. So people, he, he actually got people shooting at him. <laughs> um, yeah. That yeah. incident where the guy was actually quickly taken down and arrested. Yeah. Um, Bobby Heenan came out of that unscathed. Unfortunately, there were five. Yeah, there were five um, people hurt in that whole thing. But it just shows, when done correctly, you can draw that amount yeah. of heat that people actually want to kill you. Yeah, I don't think that could happen these days unless you're just mentally unhinged, which yeah. actually most fucking wrestling Twitter is. Well, there is a few like that, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, most yeah. people generally don't leave the house, though. So. Or the basement of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough. Yeah. Now, those are the people that are constantly fucking masturbating. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so around right about this time, he had the first incarnation of the Heenan family, which was Bockwinkle, Stevens, Blackjack Lanza, and Bobby Duncan Sr. Yeah, a good, a good heel, Bobby Duncan. Yeah, and he went on to, Bockwinkle went on to become... AWA champion. Yeah, several times. And then Lanza and Duncan held the tag title, so he was the first manager in AWA to have all the Because Mulligan had already gone off to to work for WWE and then WCW. Yeah. Um, Break it up to Blackjack, man. So he had to move up, he moved up to Georgia for a bit to work for Ole Anderson. It didn't last very long. No, because... Didn't get on very well with Ole Anderson. Nobody fucking did, though. <laughs> no, no, no. Um... But that was the system back then. I think yeah. people are, oh, he's a, he should be always oh, a WWE. 
all that sort of stuff is is only in the last sort of 10 15 years 20 years that that this is all and i i like the fact that there are not quite the territory system but things are going a little bit back that way with, yeah. with AEW, you've got ROH, you've got MLW, yeah. you've got AEW, you've got NWA, NWA as well, yeah. Yeah. you've got Impact, which is on a little bit of a resurgence because yeah. they've had to, they've had to have a complete overhaul, and they're doing well pushing new talent. Yeah, which is which is good. This it would, never goes down bad in my book. I've actually done a little bit of research. Oh, there we go. Yeah, um, and. For the state of wrestling this month episode, yeah, I now know that right. obviously I've got WCW and AEW, um, WWE and AEW. Yeah, I've also found where I can get ROH, MLW, and Five Star. Yeah, I've got Impact, so okay. I can I can get quite a bit of it, <sighs> and now I'm going to try and yeah. get my get my right. get balls deep into um some Japanese stuff as well. God, and I know it. And yeah. New Japan definitely, and I'm gonna try and get find some stardom as well because <sighs> there seems quite a lot of interest well, and in a lot of fans. So yeah, um, I'm trying to get back into wrestling because it it, it is a love. Mm. Um, it's just shit at the moment, but that's yeah. that's partly wrestling's fault and it's partly the fact that there's no fans. Thought we yeah. the fans are the biggest part of wrestling and we should never forget that. No. We make people, we break people and mm. the fact that we don't have people here at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I, fair play to the WWE for trying to rack up a load of fucking tellies to put people on yeah. as an audience. Don't work. No. It's um, fair, we must but remember people are happy that they're on, that's fine, but that's it doesn't work. It wasn't that great before, <laughs> before the, uh, the epidemic. No, but, it, but they they've got a chance to try and get it right now, and they've mm. they've got the upper end of tiny flippy wrestling mm. is not too bad. Okay. I'm not going to go the whole hog and say it's fucking amazing because it's yeah. not. Yeah. Um. But now they've got rid of that fat dwarf as world champion, and they've got Mox in there. Yeah. They can sort of work towards carving their own niche. Who was Rob, the fat dwarf? Jericho. Jericho. Okay, alright. Okay. So there, 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 there is yeah. potential there. Yeah. I fucking hate the Dark Order. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to, and all this no. love for John Silver, a, a bull dwarf. They're fu- you, might they, as, you might as well be you. The, the stuff they do on the, the so there's like a, the, again, you're not, you're, I'm not even going to talk about it because you wouldn't like it, but there's like a, a show which, they used to do with the uh, with the elite. It's like a YouTube show. No, fuck them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Got I'm like, no, 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 no point even fucking that asshole Omega and those fucking no stunt dwarfs. The, but like the fuck them. In the recent weeks and months, they've been doing like Dark Order stuff, where it's like the Dark Order, but like off of TV. Dank Odin. And it's almost like a like a parody kind of thing, and they're always. It, it, but again, there's no point me even mentioning it to you because you've already got your opinions on it anyway. Yeah, so you're not yeah, gonna watch shit. it. So. Yeah, um, it, they disrespect wrestling with things like that. I'm sorry, but it's but not. It's on right. TV. This is on. It YouTube. doesn't matter where it is. It's still fucking disrespecting wrestling. <laughs> it could be fucking shown up your ass. It's still disrespecting it fucking wrestling. wrestling. Bollocks! Fuck off, you bald dwarf cunts. And, and why is it disrespecting wrestling? Because it is. It's, it's treating it like a fucking joke. 
It's not a fucking joke. It has to be semi-believable at some point. But these cunts are taking it like a fucking joke. But it's not on, it's not on TV. It doesn't matter where it is. <laughs> you get that? It doesn't fucking matter where it is. Well, it's not on TV. TV's not the be-all and end-all of it. There's enough of these cunts on fucking Twitter and internet that are watching shit. Yeah. And then none of that's on fucking TV. Fuck's sake. It's not meant to be canon. It's not meant to be, this is, you know... Part of the show. It's not. No, it's not referenced on on the main show. Then what's the fucking point of it? Well, it's I don't just know, but dicks I don't, being dicks. Yeah, but then I don't know the point in getting annoyed then about fucking, it. Is then fucking just put it on YouTube as the part of the we fail fucking video. Well, you don't watch it anyway, do you? Twat fucking skateboarding into walls. <sighs> That's what it is. That's the wrestling equivalent of an asshole skateboarding in, straight into a fucking wall. Well, you don't. You don't watch it, you haven't watched it, so... I don't want to watch it. Well, no, really, that's why I didn't want to mention it to you, because... Bollocks. Yeah, because you've already got your opinion on it anyway, yeah, before you even... So shut up, then. But... <laughs> Crack on. Right. But this this monthly show is going to be good fun, I can see. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so we went to Georgia. Ole Anderson said, come on, move to Georgia. You've got a job for as long as you like. So we did, and then... And he did like sacked him. very long. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So he wasn't impressed by that little no, no, stint in Georgia. No. Uh, so we went back to AWA then, managing Bockwinkle again. <laughs> and he's still wrestling on and off. So he had the, on the tour of Japan was where he got injured. Yeah. In a match with um, Atushi Anita. Anita, this is, he was a talented light heavyweight yeah. before. But he would take liberties with people, I think is the correct phrase. Yeah. Um, and not treat people from outside of Japan with a lot of respect. It's a, a colourful, colourful life, that's Yanita. I, I to, just for the record, yeah. I fucking hated all that garbage Japanese wrestling. Yeah. I wasn't, wasn't, I, I did not see the point, um, and that is the worst part of, Terry Funk and Mick Foley's careers is that Japanese garbage wrestling didn't didn't really get that people just said oh it's groundbreaking no it was people breaking and it it wasn't good for people so and it was just based on fucking shock tactics more than anything else which is plays into this internet yeah so when he finished wrestling he became as a lot of Japanese wrestlers did they went into politics yeah. So he became, um, he was a, uh, a councillor of the Liberal Democratic Party in, in Japan. He was a Liberal Democrat Party and um, he's, uh, councillor for Rochdale. He went on a... Um, like Cyril Smith. <laughs> probably, probably right down to the fact that he bums small boys. Well. Um, he went to Afghanistan post 9-11 to do like a humanitarian mission. And probably ended up offending most of Afghanistan. Um, and he also claimed to have broken Wilt Chamberlain's record of sleeping with 20,000 women. But unfortunately, his exit from politics... Oh, oh, he's a slag as well. His exit from politics was forced by a sex scandal where he was alleged to have used government accommodations to host a threesome with a pornographic film actress and a female employee of the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure and Transportation. But this, this, that, that, it's just this whole, that whole, I've slept with 
20,000 people, yeah. it's a badge of honour to blokes. If a, if a woman said she did that, it'd be, yeah, she's just a, she's just a slag. Yeah. It, it's fucking double standards. Just have some yeah. respect for yourself. Well, that's the end of our Anissa episode. Basically, he's a cunt. Yeah. Um... I think Heenan sort of held a grudge about that. Cause and he, quite rightly yeah, too. Yeah. Man's a slag. Yeah. Yeah. yeah obviously he knew. He got an inkling of what he was going to be like. Um, so 1984 then. He left. Great book. 1984, yeah. Good for a song as well by... Uh, no. The Eurythmics. Sex Crime, that is. Which feeds brackets. Direct, directly back into yeah, Anita, yeah. doesn't it, again? <laughs> brackets, 1984. Yeah. Thanks. Sex Crime. Yeah. No, it was rubbish. <laughs> that, that film was rubbish, though. The way it was... Yeah. I, I've not seen the film. There, read the there as, as one of the worst... Um, Good song by David Bowie. Which one? 984. Yeah, 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 I'll give you that. Good song. Um, but one of the worst film adaptations of a book ever. I think only the worst ones were Dune. I've not read or There's seen Dune. There's a new Dune well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've not read 984 or seen the film 984. So. Maybe as your penance for bringing up... Um, Anita. Anita and the Young Bucks is to watch the film 1984. <laughs> um, better 1984-style dystopian films around that time yeah. that you would be better off watching would yeah. be Brazil. Okay. And Twelve Monkeys. Well, Twelve Monkeys was uh, both Terry Gilliam, weren't they? Twelve yeah. Monkeys was a lot later. But I don't they, know. If they, I think they, I've they, seen Brazil, but about Brazil's twenty years just, ago. Yeah, Brazil's a great film. Mm. Jonathan Price is great in it. Yeah, it's just a a big fucked up thing. Well, all the Terry Gilliam films were pretty messed up, weren't they? But, but Twelve Monkeys and um, probably one of <laughs> Bruce Willis's best performances yeah. as well. I went to the cinema. Very too. underrated, I think, but because really? he just play, he's just got this sarky character sort of yeah. thing. Um, Twelve Monkeys and Pulp Fiction. He actually. I think he's quite good actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's got a bit more range and a bit more depth to him, but he's, yeah. he, he, and and I would be guilty of the same. Um, I coast in that character for millions of pounds. Yeah. Just something I can. I think I went to the cinema to see Time Bandits when that came out. Great film, Time yeah. Bandit. Starring um, for Tunch. Yeah, from the young ones. <laughs> yeah. What's his name? Rocky David something. Rappaport. Then there was Derek, Derek, De- who's Derek Debman? Derek Debman was a famous... Dwarf? Rocky, no, no, he played Rocky, didn't he? In um, Never the Twain. <laughs> what was his name? Oh, God. I got, I got to give one Never the Twain, mate. But, um, Derek Debman was Never, Never the Twain. David Rappaport. Yeah. The the dwarf actor. Um, actually, yeah. one of his stories when Viv Stanshaw started the Thecla, which is a floating boat venue in Bristol. Viv Stanshaw opened the Thecla. Yeah, the yeah. Viv Stanshaw of um, Bonzo Dog Doodah Band fame started the Thecla. It was the old profanity showboat at that point yeah. when he started out. But one of the people who lived on the Thecla at the time was David Rappaport. Okay. Did he? Yeah. Derek Debman wasn't a short actor. 
He, no. was, he was a never this way. David Rappaport was a short actor, and he right. lived on. He lived he on, on the Thekla. Um Yeah, I stayed on Thekla as well. As part, I've DJed there and did the sound engineering there for years as well. But I've actually stayed on the Thekla. Yeah, I used to go to the Thekla on the. I, you, I don't know if I ever went there when you DJed, but I think you did. I might have done. Yeah, I think you did. I used to have in the candy club. Hair about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know you then because no. I've. I've, I've, I've I've only known you as Chrome O'Dome. <laughs> right, so 1984, he left AWA. I think it was a bit of a, a wrench for him to leave, but again, this was at the point where I think he, everyone was going. Everybody was going for the bucks. He had a conversation with Nick Botwinkle. Yeah. And Nick Botwinkle, because he was conflicted, quite a moral chap, um, yeah. uh, because he had, he had big... Ties with one of the main people in AWO, the, the the promoter Wally Carbo, as we touched on right at the very start. Yeah, um, very loyal chap, and he went to Nick Bockwinkle and Ray Stevens and said, "This is my dilemma." Yeah, and Nick Bockwinkle gave him the advice that the people that you actually have to answer to are your wife and your children. Mm. This is a job, and you're making a career move. Yeah, those are the people you have to de- to answer to. And apparently, go. Yeah, he honoured his contract. Yeah, one of the, the the yeah, only yeah, yeah. Yeah. person yeah. who honoured his contract going from AWA to the WWF. Yeah, the only person. Everybody else just left. Yeah, apparently Vince was paying people to not honour their contract, basically, and like just. But, uh, and I think that's also a testament to how much Vince wanted Bobby Heenan yeah. that he didn't put more pressure on for him not to. So he worked all his engagements and left with a handshake with Vern Gagne in yeah. the proper proper way. A traditionalist, an old school traditionalist. Mm. And you may see where I'm coming from this because I'm... More, old I, I am pretty much an old school traditionalist <laughs> where wrestling's concerned. That's why most people are punks these days. <laughs> um, so yeah, so when he came in, the plan initially was for him to be Jesse the Body Ventura's manager. And he was, but Jesse the Ventura ended up Jesse the Ventura. Jesse the Ventura <laughs> Body. <laughs> yeah. Jesse the Body Ventura ended up um, having some injuries to his legs that didn't heal up. Yeah. Um, he was. Also, Jesse, the Body Ventura's manager in AWA when he was okay. there for a, for a while. So, and then when he when he moved to WCW, he replaced Jesse, the Body Ventura. There we go. So so it all ties in. Yeah, still friend. Nobody dislikes Bobby Heenan. No, no. That is the common thing. Well, Ellie Anderson. He's a bit like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Ellie Anderson would have liked him. He just, yeah. just didn't work out. Ellie Anderson's just there for business. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so Ventura retired. Not long after Bobby arrived and became a commentator, um, so we ended up managing Big John Studd. I think he managed Big John Studd before, hadn't he, as well? Yeah, in AWA. Yeah. He, it was, that was the thing, because, because of his good reputation everywhere, he, he worked with his mates. Yeah. Because he, he, he managed Hercules Hernandez before, and he ended up with our, yeah. our red-headed bastards. Aww. But red-headed stepchild um, episode on yeah. the mighty Hercules. Me and Andy are big fans of Hercules. 
yeah. as a character. And anyone wants to fight we, about we, it. Yeah, we, we, we will definitely tag team. Um, because we love Hercules and fuck you if you don't that seems like about 20 years ago we did that episode. it does <laughs> doesn't it? it one of the first couple that was when I was taking the piss at you just saying let's do Hercules yeah and then we both watched Hercules again and just said actually it's pretty good about him. Yeah. yeah we like Hercules to be fair we could have if we did we did about four hours we did about three hours on Ted DiBiase every week we could have done we did about half an hour on Hercules. Yeah, it was back like in 40, those days. 43 minutes on it. <laughs> back in the days where yeah. we just didn't get drunk and talk shit. Yeah. We, were, we were semi... We were semi... Concentrating on the job in hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so he, uh, straight away he was involved in a big angle at WrestleMania 1. Yeah. With the... Um, with Paul Orndorff as well, he was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he obviously was involved in the Andre... Big John Stubb match, which was a body slam challenge match, wasn't it? And they did the 15 grand. Yeah, so he managed to get a couple of handfuls of money and chuck yeah. out, which was not in the script. No, no, apparently Andre just, yeah, Andre just was to throw a couple out. Yeah. And he was like, nah, I'm just going to throw yeah, more just, And then <laughs> yeah. he put himself at risk because uh, Andre the Giant was very well known for not yeah. bothering to protect people he didn't like. And, and he also do some. Uh, yeah, he would do it. Mm. And he did not like John Studd. No. At no. all. But luckily he liked Bobby Heenan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, straight away, so if you look at WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 3. Well, with WrestleMania 2, he was a manager of King Kong Bundy. Yeah, in the main in, event. In the main event. And WrestleMania 3, he yeah. was the reason in the storyline that Andre turned on mm. Hulk Hogan. So he's gone from coming in to having a marquee match with um, Andre the Giant, to being in one of the co-main events in WrestleMania 2, yeah. to being the sole main event mm. of WrestleMania 3, even though he also had two other matches yeah. where he was managing. Um, Harley Race was one of them. Yeah. Uh, and there was a tag team match as was well. Was he managing on. Islanders? Uh-huh. No, I don't think the Islanders were a thing back then. But he did have two. He did have two matches. Yeah. As well, I've possibly Ted DiBiase. Well, he was again. He was managing. He'd be in. He'd be up and down the stage three or four times a night, managing different people coming yeah, in and out. And because he was also managing. In AWA, yeah. people that went on, he went on to have a small dalliance with in WWE, but he was also Ken Patera's manager yeah. in AWA and WWE for a while. He was part of the family. They resurrected the family, yeah. the Union family, um, with the people that went through Heenan's family, um, a who's who of wrestling. Yeah. Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect. Andre the Giant, yeah. the Islanders, Brainbusters, yeah. Haku, Haku, no, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I've already said, uh, Red Rooster, Terry Taylor, yeah, there yeah. you go, uh, our, our month, our weekly mention of Terry Taylor. See, Terry Taylor is the fucking glue that holds wrestling together. Well, they had a match at WrestleMania. It was thirty seconds. WrestleMania Re- five, yeah. He, when he, he managed had, Rick Rude, he was managing Rick Rude, and when Rick Rude, um, well, that was the, that was the first championship 
a Bobby Heenan manager, man, a Bobby Heenan client in WWF one was the Rick Rubin in that Intercontinental title against Warrior. It was, but he also on WrestleMania five and a match against a Red Rooster. Yeah. Um, managed Rick Rude in his win against the Ultimate Warrior and also managed um, the Islanders versus the British Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, and where he had to come to the ring in a straitjacket. Oh, yeah, the, the dog, <laughs> dog proof uh, yeah, suit. Yeah. Dogs, yeah. yeah. So it, it, was a, it, it was a momentous five in WrestleMania 4. He managed Rick Rude, obviously, in the tournament. Um, yeah. Apparently, that's that's also, one guy who didn't like him, apparently. That's probably that? the one guy who didn't like Bobby Heenan. Who, who? Rick Rude. He, he didn't not like Rick Rude. Uh, Rick Rude did not not like Bobby Heenan as a person. Didn't like he just, him out there. He just felt that he didn't need a manager. Yeah. There is a difference. Yeah, okay. He um, felt like he... But to be honest, yeah. I think... He was better for having Bobby Heenan there. He proved he didn't need a manager mm. in the start of WCW, but interestingly enough, he still has. He had four years. I'm a so yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, I think Rick Rude's um, view of himself was probably different to his employers a lot of the time. But if you look at every heel in the mid to late eighties to the probably mid-90s, they all have managers, don't they? Mm. Every single one of them. A lot of them were monsters who couldn't... Yeah. Who, who couldn't do an interview. Yeah. Rick Rude could do an yeah. interview. Flair would always have was... somebody at ringside with him. Oh, God, yeah, J.J. Dillon. Yeah, or a woman, or... Oh, yeah, or... A really woman. Or, <laughs> yeah. Or the rest of the horsemen. Yeah, yeah. Um, or a good foil, where he could have a good... Um, cut a good promo against yeah. like people like Eric Bischoff, Terry Funk. Yeah. So it was it was all about dynamics with Ric Flair. Yeah. I, I think we should be, I think we should be um, maybe around Christmas time. <sighs> I think we should be brave. What do Ric Flair? And do Ric Flair. Ay ay ay. That might be a three part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. But oh. we we we, we got to set we got to set ourselves goals. We got to well, set we ourselves do, challenges. Yeah. I think when we get to sort of Halloween time, we could do take it. Do it, or, or we can we and we can do Halloween Havoc as well, can't we? Yeah, one of those random. Uh, we we got to play into people's love of the big wrestlers as well, because I've got a lot of people. Yeah. That aren't on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, that are saying, "When are you doing the Rock? When are you doing this?" And I'm yeah. like, not giving it much thought to be honest. Yeah. But that and that sort of doesn't seem right that we're just discarding these these people. So we we need I think at various key points in the calendar year. Yeah. We need to tackle a biggie. Yeah. Because yeah. it will highlight a how good they are, and b how shit we are. Yeah. Well, if we do do again Ric Flair in two or three parts, we might have to do them in separate evenings because no, no, I'm, I, I'm very much, I, I do not, I think, yeah, the two episodes in one, one, two episodes in one day, yeah, 
doesn't work because no. all I do is get drunker. That was the thing. I think that's at a Bret Hart. <laughs> I still, I still haven't, I still haven't bothered to give him episode no, two. No. Of, uh, Unfortunately, that's had more listens than episode one. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I should. Yeah. Maybe I should just sort yeah. of wear a disguise and just go click. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, so he was involved in all of us. Uh, again, he was managing every. I stand by every word. Yeah, yeah. He managed every big. He was. He was obviously he managed what Andre Bundy. He was involved in the DBRC storyline for WrestleMania Four. Yeah, yeah. And beyond. Five. He was obviously in the IC title. Six. He was managing about. Two thousand people at WrestleMania. No, oh, because of the, the journey time coming to the ring in WrestleMania six. Yeah, talking. He spent. He must have spent most yeah. of those times on that on those fucking airport. Yeah, I think he was a Mr. Perfect WrestleMania six. Right? Yes, he was against Brutus, the cunting fucking yeah. barber cunt. Beef and I think cunt. he managed. My manager, he managed like the Barbarian people like that, didn't he? Yeah, he, he would be put with most people. He was. Man. He was starting to. He was starting to sort of ease out of things. Yeah. Um. And in 1992, he, well, late 1991, yeah. he made the switch from manager because he was starting to struggle yeah. with the bumps he was taking. Um, Probably, because he did. He worked, yeah. a, he worked a fucking programme with the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> yeah. He was not known no. for not taking the piss out of people. Yeah. It, the only people he didn't take the piss out of were... People like Rick Rude who would fucking just go, actually, fuck up, fuck up, fuck up. <laughs> yeah, Bang. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't play that shit with me. No. But again, that Survivor Series, I mean, man, he, he was the, it was, he really filled in for Tully Blanchard. Yeah. And Tully had been fired. Tully had been fired already. So they stuck Heenan in. Fucking and it Andy. Ended up with Heenan and Elton Warrior the last two of the match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that sort of made sense because Heenan could fucking... He could elevate people just by being in there with them. The people he was managing, he elevated. Yeah. The people that he ended up having these short programmes with... Yeah. He furthered their careers. He's a fucking genius. So he moved from being, in my opinion... And because it's me, that's the only fucking opinion that counts. Yeah. The greatest manager of all time. Yeah. Then moved into colour commentary. Yeah. And forged his on-screen warm fuzzy glow, warm fuzzy glow relationship with an old Gorilla. friend. Yeah. Gorilla Monsoon, who I've got a fucking tremendous soft spot for. Yeah. Yeah. Mainly because of Bobby Heenan, but generally. Well, we used to get those prime time. I read these to start showing. Prime time wrestling was fucking brilliant because of them two. They showed prime time wrestling on Sky Sports. So yeah, like, yeah. That was Saturday. Started, half, yeah. half seven till nine. Yeah. And it'd be weird because you wouldn't see. Because you'd get like. Wrestling Challenge that would be on Sky One, wouldn't it? Yeah. And prime time wrestling was a bit different to that. And it would be just them talking over. Matches, you'd have different. But you don't. But you also have like interview segments as yeah. well. Um, it was like a, but it was like an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah, it was. It was something from the norm, but it was just the Gorilla and Bobby. Heenan yeah, show, they were amazing. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was just yeah. so good because they were natural friends, 
and it, it came across most of the time they would try and mercilessly to make each other fucking crack yeah. up yeah. the whole time but their their commentary style and their relationship on the set of primetime wrestling was it was just really I not I I love controversy I love shit I love bollocks but that was just such a natural funny yeah light-hearted and you could tell that they were fucking mates. Yeah, yeah. And again, for me, it just reminds me of watching wrestling, for me, watching wrestling as a kid. Of Yeah, man, uh, and me res- watching wrestling as a... As a 40-year-old. 40-year-old man. <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> a, a, a late teens and early yeah. 20s, uh, that, that, that was my... That was why I got into wrestling so much with the WWF at that time, was because of Heenan and Monsoon. Yeah. It wasn't to do with any... Because I fucking hate Hulk Hogan. Always have done. Yeah. And the last five years have proved me right. He's a fucking dick. Yeah. Brutus yeah. the Barber Beefcake, I would cheerfully fucking stab to death with a pencil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the reason. And then they made me believe in everything else. Yeah. So I had that willing suspension of disbelief. And... Even though I know it's a, a total work, and I fucking have done all along. There was a couple of, I think, Cy Powell yeah. and a couple of people have put in the, when did you first realise wrestling was a work? Mm. It, I was always aware that it was a work. Yeah. It, it, right back to the world of sport days with me nan. Yeah. I always knew it was a work because I've been in fights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think... So I, I always knew because people yeah. don't fight that way. If there's a word, he's got actually. Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you doing that? I'd have I'd have fucking elbowed him in the eyeball and bit his face off. I can remember when it just didn't make sense. So I've always known it was a work, but when that warrior, doesn't matter because yeah. you've got that willing suspension of disbelief yeah. for things that you're engrossed in. Yeah, you're you're happy to let your that's not real. Part yeah. of you just go for the sake of a well-worked storyline and a semi-believable yeah. plot, and and people to work. I prefer my work stiff, in the parlance of our times. Yeah. Um. And this fucking waiting around, tapping your watch for people to land on you shit, can fuck off and die. Yeah. Um. But you have to have that willing suspension of disbelief. Yeah. To be a proper fan. To, to, to believe in things like that and I do sense that with certain people that they all know it's a big fucking work but yeah. they're fans for the right reason and I'm, I'm I am talking about people like Cy Powell Millwall Chris Uncle Dan yeah. Nails Jake yeah. for all his fucking and makes me laugh a lot um, Scottish Juggalo <laughs> um, all those people I believe like wrestling for the same reasons I like wrestling because they're willing to put their disbelief to one side yeah. and just get into it and just watch it as fans but they also apart from Nails' fucking ridiculous love of the Voros twins or whatever I don't, don't know what those umlauts 
over I don't, their, I don't, their I don't know what they are. But yeah. With all this Da Vinci stuff, mm. um, they're just showing that they're stupid. Um, I don't know what they're like as wrestlers but because I, I've tried I, I not think to, to. You need to, to have. See them. You need to do have. You, do you need to have that dis- willing suspension of disbelief. But you need to have like again, like again, we're trying not to speak too much about the current stuff on the on these shows, but. And damn you, nails! I fucking like Ethan Page because yeah. damn you, I'm punching the table as well. But Ethan Page, if you're out there, Julian, which also is my middle name, I like your wrestling, mate. But even like the the like the stuff with Roman Reigns recently, just stuffing like that can again instantly. I'm more interested in SmackDown. Because of that, because of one kind of thing. So you need to try and do... But, but, but also with, with Reigns at the moment, it feels natural that he's now a heel. Yeah. That that is the natural order That's a character he should have been yeah, yeah, all yeah. along. And because we've been force-fed him as a, as a, as a the Superman heel, uh, Superman face, and yeah. everybody has to love him. No, we don't, Vince. Yeah. No, you have to love him. No, <laughs> we fucking don't, Vince. Yeah. And then they teased it, and now they've come out with it, and they've put in perfectly mm. with Paul Heyman. It, that feels natural. And the storyline where he's... Like, I, he's I am very happy yeah. to get behind Roman Reigns yeah. now, because it feels like that is the proper thing that they needed to do. And he's enjoying I've seen, I've seen some of this stuff, and obviously he's in this kind of feud with his cousin... The oos. Who he's obviously gonna fucking annihilate in the uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously he's like, they set him up to do, but he's that, still this like is set of, to further him as yeah. a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. That he's yeah. willing to annihilate his yeah, his yeah, family. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, 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 we're, we're mates and we sort of tag together and that. But like, what geez, he's got to do is yeah. annihilate Nia Jax. <laughs> well, because that's the, that's the rocks. But then again, but now this leads to. Well, they're all in the same family, isn't it? Unfortunately. But Alpha you know, he's the king and everybody else is related to him. But you imagine now, if you've got Roman Reigns as a heel, if you get to WrestleMania in time and there's still people, if, you, if you're allowed people in the arena at WrestleMania, if you could do Roman Reigns versus The Rock, heel Roman Reigns versus The Rock at WrestleMania. Oh, wouldn't that be fucking immense? You see, you could do that. Yeah, yeah. So he's in the right... This opens up the world to Yeah, I mean, no, it does, isn't it? It's fucking perfect. Yeah, everything, yeah. Because yeah. he's now the person that everybody wanted him and thought yeah. was anyway. Yeah. And now we can openly explore yeah. all those fucking things. And, and a lot of this will be deferred John Cena stuff as well because yeah. he needed to have had yeah, that yeah, turn and yeah. he's never going to have that turn no. because his, his fucking Twitter page is like a fucking yeah. walking chicken soup for the soul fucking yeah, yeah, page. Yeah. It's just yeah. shit quote after shit quote after shit quote. Yeah. So, John, whoever you're paying to do your fucking Twitter page, yeah. I mean, know you're Lay a regular listener of fucking Bang Bang Podcast yeah. because you've got taste. Yeah. Actually, Fire that cunt and get me in to do it. Get someone I've made you. I'd make you look like a fucking genius. Right, we're, we're, we're veering from the path. <laughs> As we do, we're gonna get. We we'll do ninety minutes this week. That's all we're doing. <laughs> no, That's we're not, mate. You know it. That's the end. <laughs> uh, we do. So yeah, so you became a full time commentator in ninety two, and then oh, f- fucking loads veering from the path a little bit more, minutes. my fucking bald friend. But again. 
if, if it's probably been spoken about as the greatest, well, that Royal Rumble '92. He he has set himself up, yeah, as the greatest manager of all time. Yeah, I beg to make the case that his commentary on Royal Rumble '92 marks him out as the greatest color commentator yeah. of all time. Definitely, yeah. yeah. It's not fair to Flair. No, and like if you watch it back. The emotional destroy he goes through. Oh, it's just fucking brilliant. Just like when Flair comes out in number three. And he's yeah. like, oh. From there on, he's on the edge of emotional turmoil <laughs> yeah. the whole time. Just, yeah. It's just genius stuff. But he couldn't have done it without Gorilla Monsoon. No, no. None That's of these things. Thing. I think because Gorilla Monsoon is the unrepentant voice of reason and the voice of the face... Yeah. I think his contribution to that and most of Bobby Heenan's um, all the prize and stuff and the, yeah, 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 is really overlooked because Bobby Heenan is only great as a colour commentator because of Gorilla Monsoon. Mm. Yeah. And how how well they hit off of each other. Yeah. I know there there was a lot of um, Vince McMahon and Roddy Piper. Mm. as well but um, that was a, a time when Roddy Piper was being ultra good yeah um, and he's the perfect person to to actually um, yeah bounce off of is it okay the kids yeah um, but he's the perfect person to bounce off as well yeah but I think Bobby Heen is only brilliant as a colour commentator because he yeah. had the perfect fall with Gorilla Monsoon. And I've said it before and I'll say it again this episode. Their relationship gives me a fucking warm, yeah. fuzzy glow. Yeah. At all times. That is a that is the perfect relationship in wrestling. That is what wrestling is for me. Yeah. Oh, I fucking love him. Well he um it's only what about a year afterwards he was gone. He was gone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he decided he wanted to move out of that side of things and move into Hollywood. Adverts. Did you say Hollywood? But yeah. it, was, it was adverts, basically. One yeah. quick buck for two days' work. Which, yeah. if anybody's got a semi-decent brain on them, they're going to do two days' work for a bloody week's wages, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, that's 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 a no-brainer. Yeah. And then he made possibly the worst decision of his entire career by saying yes to those fuck heads at WCW. Well, he offered a, like a lighter schedule and good money and that kind of thing. And So, I mean, yeah, you can see why we did it. Yeah, I know, because it offered him more chance because he was very family-orientated and he, it offered him a, a reduced working schedule and more chance to be near his daughter, who was in mm. Alabama, which is next to Georgia. Yeah. Which is where Atlanta is for WCW. But they were, without a shadow of doubt, possibly the biggest assholes known to man. Yeah. Um, well, there was some talk, wasn't there? I think, because they, they tried to get him to say, because again, at that time, especially when Bischoff came in, they were trying to do a lot of, 
disparaging of WWF. He, he would have he none do it. of it. He wouldn't do to it. To the point when Gorilla Monsoon passed away, yeah. he they did a very respectful piece yeah. with him and Tony Schiavone. Yeah. Um, and I can only assume that that was led by Bobby Heenan yeah. laying down that if you fuck this up, well, I don't think they got again. You, I, yeah, you, I, I will, I will be walking. I listened to uh, Tony Giovanni. He did a podcast about Bobby Heenan, and they said he didn't. They didn't get that cleared with anybody, basically. They but just they just did got it. aired. Good, yeah. good, yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. good. Yeah, but also I've got more time for Skierbone. Yeah, um, because he was forced to say shit about Bobby Heenan whilst he was on air, hmm. and I think he called him out on it a couple of times um, but the same as Mick Foley when you actually spoke to Tony Schiavone yeah. he was like I'm sorry I man. do feel a bit sorry for Tony I'm sorry man I was forced to say yeah, 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 but, yeah. but he shouldn't have been such an asshole to no. fucking do that he says and, and kudos to him yeah. for the for the Gorilla Monsoon thing because yeah. the, the bit and I, I, I will freely admit that I fucking teared up mm. for it was WrestleMania 20, 2004, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Bobby the Brain Heenan was a an inductee. One best fucking inductee speech ever mm. because he had plenty of inside jokes with the boys and plenty of yeah getting people. And there was no weasel chance that night. It was Bobby yeah. chance yeah. that night. But right at the end, he fucking teared up. And he said, just, uh, I wish Gorilla... I'm fucking tearing up now, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But that really... Did the, that, that bit it was when he said, I really wish Gorilla was mm. was here to see that. And he, he held, he held the, the plaque up and looked up. Yeah. And he was in tears. And fucking... You know when those, those sort of things that make make you sort of tingle? Yeah, yeah. Um, with a with a few things like f- few things that have made me feel that way, um, Cactus Jack's return against Triple H. Yeah. That response made me feel like that. Um, a couple of the Undertaker WrestleMania matches at the end have made me feel like that. Yeah. Ric Flair's last match against Shawn Michaels made me feel like that. Um, that made me feel like that, and I mm. was fucking. I was. And I'm I'm quite emotional now. You are, mate. Yeah. Um, thinking, just talking about it, but that's the good thing. That's why I went into HMV and shoplifted the three disc set of DVDs yeah. of WrestleMania Twenty. Yeah. Which I still have. He stole them. Yeah, I stole it's them. I went in. It's a confession that I shoplifted fucking WrestleMania Twenty out of HMV. <laughs> Um, I managed to rip the fucking seal off and just walk out with the thing. Right, okay. Was, um, that, was that in Bristol? Yeah, yeah. 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 In the centre? Yeah, in Broadway. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right? Yeah. You can't touch me for you, cunt. <laughs> but that, that is the reason I stole that. Yeah. Just because I knew on the third disc the Hall of Fame thing was. Yeah. And, oh, fucking made me tear up, man. I can't remember really WrestleMania. Did. What happened else in WrestleMania? What was WrestleMania? It was fucking Benoit. Um, was it? That was quite emotional. Winning. It was all, wasn't it, really? Yeah, and Eddie Guerrero. And Eddie, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, that was them and Eddie and the, the, the multiple. Yeah. The, the corpse, Eddie Guerrero, and the multiple family murderer, Chris Benoit, yeah. very, very touching. They're all dead. Every- yeah, everybody's dead. <laughs> Everyone's dead. But if you look at if you're watching any WWE um, pay-per-view from yeah. back in that day, from like 2005 before. Yeah. Everyone's I dead. name I name I I I ask anybody to say they're not going through those matches to say dead alive dead alive yeah. dead 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 alive yeah yeah everybody plays that game it's a shame I mean it's, it's but that was that was the time minute so yeah so he he was in WCW there, there was some talking I think Bischoff a couple of times asked him if he was still working for WWF. Because again, some of the stuff he wouldn't say, bad stuff, and then no, but because he's a fucking moral man. Fucking Bischoff's a cunt. Yeah, well, yeah. Eighty-three weeks, stuff every week up your fucking ass, you fucking. <laughs> yeah. So he was there till two thousand, and then um, he left. With things like the Medusa fucking chucking, chucking fucking alcohol-based fucking scent at somebody. You've got somebody... You don't touch the commentators. Yeah. And you had fucking Brian Pillman coming up and fucking pulling yeah, yeah, his yeah. jacket off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which made him the first person to <laughs> say the word fuck on live <laughs> wrestling TV. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all bullshit. And it was that shit. It, it was so that. unprofessional. It was really unprofessional. It was. And yeah. it was like... That, that bit on the documentary that the WWE got yeah. of him saying, but can somebody please tell me what's going on? Yeah. Please? was, well, didn't was know, a like, direct reference to yeah. the fact that fucking 30 minutes after the programme started, yeah. they still haven't sorted out the booking. Yeah, with well, the Bash the of the Beach. had actually fucking started. Bash of the Beach with Hogan, when he came out, they didn't know. No. So for Heenan says, and, the, and that's Vince Russo's fault, and he's the fucking Vince Russo wasn't there then. That was that was, wrote, but that influence. Well, yeah, but then they, they were because the first thing Heenan says is, "Well, who whose side is he on when he comes out?" And a lot of people say, "Well, why do you ask that question?" Because it's obvious, Hulk Hogan, if he's coming out, Hulk Hogan's a perennial good guy. He's coming out to help Sting and Savage. But in that, and that. Mm, Era of uncertainty. Yeah, obviously didn't know. So you said this ago, but yeah, yeah. But also that would that would play into his natural heel persona by. Oh yeah, because he never trusted Hulk Hogan by sowing that seed of doubt. And he pushed that again with the NWO. It was like, oh, I always knew Hogan was a. Yeah, (laughs) I always knew Hogan was a bad guy. Right, come on, and then so yeah, so he came back for that the gimmick battle royal. Was commentator, wasn't he? Well, he, he he left. He left WCW because they were just assholes and yeah. they didn't have a fucking clue. And that was brilliant. That gimmick Battle Royal at WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, 17. In 2001, so it would have been 17, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was, I fucking stood up and clapped at that point because yeah. I just thought, that's brilliant. And the worst <laughs> thing about that whole Battle Royal the Iron Sheik had to win it because he spent about 25 minutes walking down the fucking ramp. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that he, would, he just got into the ring by the time he was supposed to win. Yeah. Yeah. But all that, that, was, that, was, that was a fucking joy to behold, that shit, because it was just bollocks. Right. Questions? 
we've got? Well, we we we've got to go to the end. Unfortunately, around that sort of time, two thousand, he um, was diagnosed with a basal cell carcinoma, which. Thank you to Southmead Hospital. Yeah. Um, I've also had a basal mm-hmm. cell carcinoma successfully operated on. Um, but he had a stage four one in his throat. He had a lot of surgery to the point where he was very unrecognisable. But he was a fucking tough son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, he passed away in 2000 and 17 on the 17th of September um, from from cancer of the throat mm. um, they'd taken away most of his neck and his jaw at that point um, and he still tried to do dates and fulfil engagements to provide for his family. Um, just ending that, and this is my opinion, totally. Yeah. He was the greatest manager of all time. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. And the best colour commentator of all time. Yeah. And uniformly, nobody's got a bad word to say about him. No. That Rick Rude thing aside, that was more to do with he just didn't feel he was yeah. needed a manager. And Rick Rude wasn't the most agreeable person in the world, no, was he? No, he wasn't. Um, no. But Bobby Heenan was probably my favourite wrestling character of all time. Yeah. Um, because of his contributions to things, he was that old school that he did everything right. As far as I was concerned, I... Bow down to you, Mr. Heenan, sir. Yeah. Um, my favourite wrestling character of all time. And thank you for indulging me on my birthday episode. Oh, bless. Right, let's get to the important stuff. Yes. <laughs> oh, right. Something else, the ball cut. <laughs> so, questions? Yep. So, how are we doing? I don't know. We're so, doing all right. At Pig's Bladders. Oh, him. <laughs> him, him, that fucking shower. <laughs> if Bobby Heenan, nine minutes. minutes we got, so we have to squeeze this in. If Bobby Heenan was on any British soap opera in the last fifty years, who would his love interest be? Fuck off. Well, we said, I said, uh, I think I said Doc Cotton, Pat Butcher. Um, yeah, whatever. Ridiculous question. No. <laughs> when. Um, Danny, so when Mr. Perfect made his return to WWE in 2002, well, yeah, I mean, it's more of a statement. How great would it have been if they could have had Bobby come out with him? Uh, it, it would have been good. Yeah. And I'm not sure that it wasn't discussed, but I think at that point he was a colour commentator for a reason. He retired for a reason. But I, I think from a nostalgia boost and from a one more time for the cameras sort of thing, I agree with him. That would have been fucking amazing. Yeah. Um... Bum, 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 Chris, Millwall Chris? Yep. He's had a few. We'll, get, we'll have one from Millwall Chris. Cause... No, I have a couple from Millwall Chris. Well, we can be sure favouritism. They were pretty decent questions, to be honest. 
Uh, and are, we are not over-blessed with decent questions. Well, if Bobby were around today, who would be in the Heenan family stable? Which one wrestler in history would have benefited most from being managed by the brain? Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler? Yeah. Wow, that's a sensible answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. He would have been good. Um, there's a few NXT people probably would have been quite good. Um, I think he would have been good for Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. I think he would have probably been good for a current Finn Balor. Yeah. I mean, um, he's not good anybody, really. He would have elevated. But I also think he would have been good for Charlotte Flair. Yeah. Just because there's a natural connection there. And maybe Braun as well. No. No? <laughs> okay, all right. No. I don't, I, I don't think Braun needs a manager. I think... They push him in the right way. He's somebody who doesn't need a manager because he he can actually hold a coherent um, mm. interview himself. Yeah. Yeah. So I I disagree with you, Andrew. Okay. Uh, okay. Ted Rogers from Yorkshire. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> already, I'm liking I'm liking the tone of his question already. Obviously. Oh, it's, it's Rob, obviously. <laughs> um, in the classic Minder episode, you've got our friends. Arthur gets into a scrape with a gangster called Bobby. The episode feature a continuity error with the license plate changing on Terrace Capri mid-scene. What is the worst non-tugboat-related continuity error in wrestling history? No, non-tugboat-related. There is no continuity errors. Well, the biggest continuity error in wrestling is tugboat not having the title and then becoming typhoon. That there is was the, the biggest. Jericho. I can't remember. If it was Jericho and somebody in WCW. And they both, they were like having a fight in the parking lot. And they were obviously been told that the cameras had stopped rolling. So they just turned around and started walking back together to the arena, chatting. And the cameras were still rolling, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't spend a lot of time watching that. Sort of no, no, no. And you got the old Hawk one. And you, I can't remember who's, who's been interviewed. Somebody's been interviewed backstage and Hawk pops his head out of the... Uh, Obviously, he comes out of the locker room at the wrong time and he gets, uh, he's like, you just see his head poke out and he comes back in again. Yeah. Um, I have to. Think oh, and Rick Rude's moustache Mcsta- as well. Rick Rude being on. Yeah, both of the things are, but that's a special. That's, that's, that's a special. That's separate, isn't it? So separate. We don't count that. So, Rob, do yourself a favour, mate. <sighs> Try and ask a question yeah. that doesn't directly. Reference. I think that's the episode. that's the gimmick. Try, try something else. I'm happy to answer darts based questions. Yeah. With a wrestling theme, I'm happy to go for other. Never the Twain based. Sweeney. <laughs> yeah. Anything, yeah. but just try and not reference in your next question. That's your challenge up the terriers, Rob. Yeah. What a fucking glorious start to your season. <laughs> I mean, unlike other teams. Unlike other teams, actually, <laughs> yeah. the season can end now because yeah, we've got yeah, yeah. 100% win rate. Yeah, we'll go up in second. That, we are aware, as lifelong City fans, yeah. that the only way is down. Yeah, for us, yeah. It's going to get shit from here, but... Uh, two weeks into the season, yeah. second with a hundred percent record, and that's as good as it will get. Finish off with Uncle Dan. Uncle Dan, and he says, "Is humanoid not the best word in the world?" In the yeah, world I, <laughs> I have to agree with you, Dan. Um, there are two phrases which will forever make me think of Bobby Heenan. Yeah. Um, the word humanoid is one of them, and the other one is 
Ham and egg. Ham and egg, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't go down without the ham and egg. And on that, um, again, on that, on that DVD, they showed the, when he was commentating from the barbershop window thing. Yeah, I knew he was going to do And that. he was like, oh, you can't have one without the other. It was always going to happen. <laughs> and then he, was, he said he was trying to get away from him and he threw him through the window. He was yeah. trying to, yeah. I, knew, I knew he was going to do that. Yeah. But yeah, humanoid and ham and egg. Ham and egg. Legend. Right. I think that's about it, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds about right. We, we, I don't think we've got long left, so we'll probably be back next week. Maybe. Uh, we'll try we'll next week. Um, of some description. We will keep... I think we need to do um, a pay-per-view next week. Okay. We'll enter into, via our solicitors, a lengthy period of um, negotiation. Yeah. What did we do? We did WWE NXT last time. We'll do... Maybe it's time to do a W uh, ECW. Oh, I haven't seen any ECW pay-per-views ever. Well, they're on ever. the fucking network. Yeah, so I know, yeah, on. yeah. Maybe we do an ECW pay-per-view then. Yeah, we'll do an ECW. This, with, December um, to December? No. Because <laughs> that, that's just shit. We'll do an actual proper ECW one. Okay. Um, and as I'm the ECW correspondent, yeah, you pick, I really. will pick. You will pick. Um, Thank you for putting up with us. We yeah. are actually within time limits. We, we do. covered an actual career and managed to fit in questions and, and drift off the topic somewhat. Yeah. So well done to us. If you don't like it, fuck you. Yeah. If you do like it, fuck you. Um, but thank you very much for but all you Thank guys. you very much for listening. This has been The Bald Avenger. Yeah. Andrew <laughs> Theophilus. Jeffrey Hall, yeah. uh, and this has been Stephen Julian Croom for Bang Bang Podcast. Ciao, Bellas. Um, <laughs> please unfollow me. You're all cunts. All right, take care.